Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In the year 2072, as our world reels from climate chaos, there is one beacon of hope. Pura. A sanctuary amidst the devastation, safeguarding its inhabitants from the relentless onslaught of environmental disasters. Meet Demetria Lopez, the face of Pura's pristine image. But beneath the facade lies a chilling truth. When Demetria uncovers a secret that could shatter everything Pura stands for, she faces a choice. Loyalty or truth? Preservation or revelation? From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death comes an electrifying new series, The Last City. Starring the talents of Rhea Seahorn, Jenny Tirado and Maury Sterling, prepare for a gripping tale of intrigue and moral reckoning. Subscribe to The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for an exclusive experience, join Wondery Plus to binge all episodes early and ad-free. The future of Pura awaits. Welcome. I believe I may have seen you before. That is the thing about memory. It has many imperfections. It whispers through the mind. Find the thread and follow it to today's story, Dido's Lament. Written by Aidan J.S. Manouge and performed by Sarah Drew. Made in partnership with XPRIZE. At 4.58am on June 28th, 2020, the passengers on board ANA Flight 008, en route from Tokyo to San Francisco, are cruising at an altitude of 37,000 feet, approximately 1,500 nautical miles off the west coast of the United States. A small bump, otherwise noted as a barely perceptible bout of turbulence, passes Flight 008 through a temporary wrinkle in the local region of space-time. What these passengers will soon find out as they descend into SFO is that the wrinkle has transported them 20 years into the future, and the year is now 2040. This is the story of the passenger in seat 14C. special kind of mindfuck to realize the moment between Down with the Sickness and Shostakovich's String Quartet No. 3, Third Movement, was 20 years for the world and maybe two blinks for everyone on that plane. For the record, Shostakovich is as metal as classical gets, and anyone who says otherwise is a liar. I was in Tokyo for work, though I'd fought like hell for two months to avoid it. A 27-year-old steeped in enough anxiety and self-doubt to brew half of Seattle's morning wake-up call wouldn't have been my first choice for a meeting that could literally sink or swim the company. But Dalen had it in his bean-sized brain that I was good at my job. Fantastic, even. 
A decade or so earlier, someone like me, with half their hair dyed redder than her own blood, dressed from head to toe in the blackest black they sold, probably wouldn't have even gotten this job. But internet startups were born and burned to the ground by the hour as people tried to capitalize on some niche market or unmet personal convenience. They were built by young people trying to make it big, and no one cared that I didn't look like a business professional. I had half their app coded before I even got the interview. I was value. I was efficiency. I was desperate for a paycheck and willing to work my ass off for it. None of that mattered before Tokyo, though. I'd been with Aggregator for several years, trying to compile Dalen's dumbass idea of a single software personal file collective into existence. It wasn't even an original idea, just a compilation of a bunch of apps that already existed. Photos, videos, scanned letters, whatever anyone wanted to keep, they could store digitally instead of piling their attic full of musty boxes. It was like having your life's story backed up onto a server in case of fire or flood or whatever. When you put it that way, it sounded better. (laughs) What use was it really, though? Most of the world already stored their photos and videos on their phones or the cloud. And who sent letters in 2020? It was a bunch of pieces. Things other apps did better when we started, thrown into a melting pot. And Dalen was convinced it was genius. Initial success was about the same as introducing a new brand of milk to the market. Sure, it was an option, but it wasn't exciting or innovative enough to get the world on board. People already had most of their lives stored in other apps on their phones and tablets, so why should they have to move all that and learn a new interface when things could just stay the same? The work kept Aster and me afloat, though, and that's what mattered. See, sometimes people are unlucky, (laughs) And sometimes people are so exceptionally unlucky that it makes you cry until you don't have a drop left to weep and shout at all the gods you can name till you can barely whisper. That was Aster. And if life should have gone sour for anyone, it should have been me, not her. It started innocuously enough. She'd forget the day or something I just said like she hadn't been listening It was annoying sometimes, but stuff like that happens to everybody once in a while. Then the phone calls started, and the confusion, and the sudden shifts in behavior. Evelyn, I think I took the wrong exit. How do I get back on the freeway? Hey, I'm at the store. What do you need again? Hey, are you... are you... uh, why aren't you home? Where are you? She didn't want to admit it. I didn't want to think it. But I could feel that ugly, terrifying void sinking to the bottom of my stomach. She wasn't even 30. Things like that we both suspected don't happen to people who aren't even 30. Early onset Alzheimer's. It was a diagnosis right up there with terminal cancer. It's like the stuff you only see in news stories once every couple months. And it makes you feel so bad for the person. But you never think it'll be you or someone you know next. I remember standing by the window, silent, the rain pouring down like it always seems to in Seattle, as Aster called her parents in China to let them know. I heard her mother crying, like some sick, distorted echo wailing in the distance, and all I could do was weep with her and the rain. They'd found her, 
wandering and confused on the streets with cuts and bruises on her arms from a fall, they claimed, and I barely got to see her before they told me the diagnosis. Some hate-mongering desk vigilante had delayed me as long as she could, claiming I wasn't real family. She went against regulation, just to let me know she disapproved, and I'm pretty sure that day was her last. Still, it made me rage and cry and cuss and cry again. It wasn't a good day. Afterwards, life became numb. I worked and worked to pay off medical bills and fill in Aster's portion of the rent as things got worse, but every day was one more tick on the clock towards the end. Death doesn't feel so final when it's far away, but Aster had maybe a decade, at most two, left before the end. And even before that, there would be months, years even, where she would have no idea who I was as I spoon-fed her just to keep her living a little while longer. It made me feel cruel, and it hadn't even happened yet. She was the one who made me go to Tokyo in the end. Aggregator was starting to sputter out, in large part due to Dalen's dog-shit budgeting, but there was one small hope left. A company in Tokyo had taken notice of us and believed that our app could make it big with some key changes and better funding. We needed to convince them they were right, and that we had a good long-term framework. Dalen didn't have a clue how his own app worked, and no one had yet been born a less creative individual in the history of the world, so he told me to go. I said, hell no. Two weeks later, I came back and said yes. I didn't want to leave Aster any longer than I already did for work, but there wasn't really a choice. If Aggregator went under, I would have been job hunting before the end of the year. Sure, with my experience and resume, I probably would have found something before long, but that wasn't the kind of bet I was willing to make. It made me scared, too. I had to be in Japan for almost a week. What if Aster forgot me while I was gone? What if she wandered off into the night and I came back to a funeral? She had always been the strong one. She made me go to all the rallies and protests, even though I hated crowds, because she stood for the important things and wouldn't back down. She fought for us, when the world seemed like it had nothing but hate for us, and I followed, even though I would rather have sunken into a couch with my earbuds blaring. I needed her, because I was a human disaster with a brain for coding. But after the diagnosis, she needed me more. I remember the day I left. I caressed that beautiful face of hers in our little apartment, kissed her forehead through her short, black pixie cut, and bit back tears as her eyes seemed to wander for a minute. Maybe she'd already started to forget me, I thought. I clung to her hands on that stupid old black couch and waited to see if she had anything to say. I'll miss you, Evelyn. She said, her voice more distant than usual, but the words, so clear, they cut through my soul. Show him who's the real boss. I wasn't supposed to end up in San Francisco. Seattle to Tokyo was a pretty normal route, but our plane was held up for engine repairs. In the end, we got pushed so far back that the airline had to start bumping people to other routes. A couple of the others and me just happened to draw the shortest straws, though we didn't know it then. The flight wasn't very eventful. The middle seats next to me were empty, so I commandeered them and tried to lie down for a nap. 
Some of the others reported weird lights or an unusually bumpy ride, but I must have slept through it or at least dozed off long enough to miss the good part. There were walkways that powered whole buildings just with people's footsteps when we arrived in San Fran. Vending machines that gave you full, synthetically created meals. Cars without wheels that hadn't run on gasoline in years. Giant, elegant turbines in the water just outside the bay that barely disturbed the water or the fish as they fed half of California power. There were images like billboards projected on whatever surface was big enough, from the sides of buildings to the Golden Gate Bridge. I saw more flying robots than I could count, ferrying cargo and meal orders and occasionally even people from one horizon to the next. From the moment I stepped out of Tokyo to the instant I'd learned I'd stepped into a San Francisco 20 years older than me, all I could think about was Aster and shouting. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. In the year 2072, as our world reels from climate chaos, there is one beacon of hope Pura. A sanctuary amidst the devastation, safeguarding its inhabitants from the relentless onslaught of environmental disasters. Meet Demetria Lopez, the face of Pura's pristine image. But beneath the facade lies a chilling truth. When Demetria uncovers a secret that could shatter everything Pura stands for, she faces a choice. Loyalty or truth? Preservation or revelation? From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death comes an electrifying new series, The Last City. Starring the talents of Rhea Seahorn, Jenny Tirado, and Maury Sterling, prepare for a gripping tale of intrigue and moral reckoning. Subscribe to The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for an exclusive experience, join Wondery Plus to binge all episodes early and ad-free. The future of Pura awaits. I did a lot of shouting. Where is Aster Zhao? I asked the counselor they stuck me in front of. Tell me right now, where the hell is Aster Zhao? All I could do was cry. Even if Aster had gotten lucky, she would be dead. There wasn't a flicker of hope that she'd survived. She would have died, alone, without me to look after her and unable to even remember who it was that had abandoned her. I blamed myself. I blamed the world. I guess I finally figured out the seven stages of grief along the way, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't in the right order. Then the counselor had come back after checking around with a few people on some fancy headpiece that projected stuff in front of her eyes. I'm sure I would have gone cross-eyed looking at that much stuff a couple of inches from my retina. I checked our records of known family members, and I think I found the person you're looking for, she said. She's alive, still living in Seattle. Family member? I'd asked, confused. Aster and I had talked about it once or twice. Marriage, that is. But the formality of it wasn't that important to either of us. And besides, I hated crowds. Especially if those crowds involved certain people within my family. The counselor smiled. 
I think you'll find things are a little different in 2040. You and Aster are considered family, even though they declared you dead when the plane disappeared. It seems that Aster made a personal request to add you posthumously when the requirements for family status were updated. A very unusual request, but one that was honored, given the situation. It's your choice, and hers. You'll have to confirm, of course, now that you're back. But things are a lot easier and a lot less complicated than they used to be. We'd be happy to provide a shuttle to Seattle if that would help. It felt like she talked for hours. I'd ask one question, but only because I couldn't process the other. I barely heard a word she said. Sure, I was glad that the world, or at least part of it, sounded like it had finally grown up. Maybe I wouldn't have to feel like an alien trapped on planet Earth just for being a lesbian. 2020 was a lot better than the century before it, but it had definitely been a long way from perfect. And people had started to worry that things were only going to get worse instead of better. But what mattered to me were those two dumb little words she'd said. They were such stereotypical words on the television and in movies I remembered watching, but ones that I'd felt like I'd never hear in real life. Real life didn't have deus ex machinas and miracles. It had cold, hard truths that no one could avoid. And yet, she'd said it. She's alive. How is she? How is she alive? I asked. I might have interrupted the counselor, but I don't remember. I'd tuned her out as my brain tried to think itself to pieces. She's still alive. That can't be true. It has to be a glitch in their system. No, they must have saved her. They? It's probably some mega corporation trying to placate you with lies and false happiness. If they try to give you pills, don't take them. All I know is that she's living in Seattle at the same address she's held for more than 20 years, the counselor said, breaking me out of my paranoia. There isn't a current medical file for any current diseases or conditions, if that's what you're worried about. She's older than you remember, but seems to be in perfect health. The next few hours, I barely acknowledged. After some medical checks and a couple questions from some government agent, they paid for my passage back to Seattle. The ship, I guess, was called a shuttle. It was sleek and silver like a small plane, but it had some kind of rotors and barely made a sound. We flew over giant fields of wind turbines with long rotors from top to bottom that spiraled around a central column and cities that I barely noticed through all the green that grew on the roofs and out of the sides. It was like the forests and the buildings had become one. We touched down at a new transit terminal a short few miles from my old home, evidently still Astor's, and I decided I'd walk the last leg. I could have called her from San Fran on some fancy hollow dialer that projected her 3D image or something, but I wanted to see her myself. I wanted to know it was her and that she was really okay. I'd gotten zapped. 20 years into the future where people surf the internet on little projections in front of their eyes. Like they could scroll just by staring at something. Who is to say I wasn't trapped in some weird VR prison? If I was going to see Aster again, I wanted to hold her and hear her in person, not through some weird long-distance hologram. 
When I got back, she was already outside, waiting for me. The building was different, covered in vines and little personal gardens, and the exterior wall glistened like a dull star of glass and steel. Aster was different. Her hair was longer, maybe by an inch, and I could see the little gray streaks starting to push through. Her skin was weathered by time, but not as much as I'd expected. She'd aged well, very well. I stopped maybe ten feet away, and we stood there for what felt like another twenty years. We looked at each other, and then away, and repeated it, over and over, until I found my words. Hi, I said. Well, it was a word. Hi, Evelyn, Aster said, her eyes glistening like shallow pools. Have you... I know it's been a while for you, so if you've moved on, I had to ask. It didn't feel right, but hell, it had been 20 years. I wouldn't have blamed her if she'd needed some company. Are you kidding? She laughed, but there was a small flicker of hurt in her eyes. You know, for some people, you were gone 20 years. For me, maybe 15, 10. I should be dead, you know that. But when I remembered who I'd started to forget, no one could take your place, Evelyn even if you'd never come back. In all of human history, I don't know if two people ever hugged and cried longer together than we did that night. The sun was long gone by the time we finally went inside, and I don't think we let go of each other's hands until the sun came up the next morning. Pills, therapy, optogenetics, lab-grown neurons, a thousand bits of scientific discovery and advancement had struck gold in the 20 years I'd missed. Almost simultaneously, and in just the right combination, they had reduced Alzheimer's to an inconvenience instead of a killer. Most surprisingly of all, Aggregator had actually had a part to play as well. After my disappearance and assumed death, the Japanese company that bought out Aggregator promptly replaced Dalen. Aster said he still got off with a hefty sum from the deal, but getting him out of the picture was probably the best move they made. I guess my story and the story of Aster got picked up in the news not long after and spread all the way back to Tokyo. Guess I must have made a good impression. Aggregator couldn't replace neurons or stop amyloid plaque buildup, but the new owners wondered if it could do some good in therapy. Even back in 2020... Studies had been done on the effects of music on the minds of patients with dementia and other conditions. The new owners of Aggregator theorized that compiling as much as they could about a person, like videos of family events, recordings of parents' voices, photos of friends and loved ones, favorite songs, could be used therapeutically to help the mind in reaccessing memories that had been locked away by brain damage. Once the progression of Alzheimer's was halted, the brain had proven to be quite capable of doing some of the repair work on its own, and new connections to old memories had proven stronger if the mind was fed information that was linked with those memories. Other things, like motor functions, could be retaught if damaged, but things like your first kiss or your graduation weren't the same. Aster had been lucky exceptionally lucky. 
most of her memories had still been intact, so reaccessing them had taken time, but it had still been possible. Rebuilding memories that had been lost entirely was still a theoretical dream scenario, but work had been done on using data like Aggregator could supply to recreate memories of people through voices and pictures and encode the information into new brain matter. It was one thing to show someone a picture of their father and tell them whom it was they'd forgotten. It was something else entirely to fill in the gaps between surviving memories to help patients know who their father was. Aster had been Alzheimer's-free for just over 12 years when my plane reappeared, give or take a few for therapies and treatments. She still had to keep taking a couple pills, probably for the rest of her life, and her brain would always have small bits of damage that hadn't quite healed. As if that would ever have changed anything. She had gone back to school as she recovered using a VR university program to take classes from home and gotten work as a graphic designer for a big e-commerce company. She'd even lived a year or two in other places while our building was updated. But she always came back to the same place. She said it helped to be in a place with such strong memories from her past. Memories with me. It had been painful sometimes because I had been declared dead for 20 years, but she told me it was better to be able to remember a few sad things than to forget all of the happy ones. She had asked to make us family as a last gift to me, and as a promise to be kept. I would have stayed with her to the end if I'd been able, she said, so she'd resolved to pay me back by doing the same. She was an idiot. My beautiful, invincible, perfect idiot, who had chosen to live her whole life alone if it couldn't be with me. I'll never believe I deserved her but I'll always be happy I found her. I still remember what Aster said when we woke up that first morning back together. (laughs) She thought she was so clever. And maybe she was, with her glittering brown eyes grinning with that quiet, joyful relief. It gripped my heart. Not roughly, but like a gentle nod reciprocating that same feeling back to her. And we laughed because she thought she was so damn clever. She said, Remember me? Science has the power to alter the brain, but science fiction has the power to alter the mind. Listen closely and you will see as I do. Use the subscription feature on your device, and I will tell you more. That was Dido's Lament by Aidan J.S. Manouge, performed by Sarah Drew. This episode was directed and produced by Mark Holden, edited by Seth Alansky, and designed by Charles Carroll and Seth Alansky at the Invisible Studios. Season 2 of Dust is brought to you in partnership with XPRIZE, Designing and operating multi-million dollar global competitions to accelerate the development of technological breakthroughs that benefit humanity. And ANA, all Nippon Airways. Flight 008 is co-produced with Eric DeSatnik. Dust is produced by Stephen Michael and Margaret Laney at Gunpowder and Sky.
2072, as our world reels from climate chaos, there is one beacon of hope, Pura, a sanctuary amidst the devastation, safeguarding its inhabitants from the relentless onslaught of environmental disasters. Meet Demetria Lopez, the face of Pura's pristine image, but beneath the facade lies a chilling truth. When Demetria uncovers a secret that could shatter everything Pura stands for, she faces a choice. Loyalty or truth? Preservation or revelation? From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death comes an electrifying new series, The Last City, starring the talents of Rhea Seahorn, Jenny Tirado and Maury Sterling, prepare for a gripping tale of intrigue and moral reckoning. Subscribe to The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for an exclusive experience, join Wondery Plus to binge all episodes early and ad-free. The future of Pura awaits. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.